love songs like that, that express something that, apart from the actual literal meaning of the words, um, conveys an incredibly deep truth that we worship a God who is active, proactive in our lives. He's not sort of in heaven like a clockwork maker and just watching what's going on and hoping for the best. He's actually set everything in motion, yes. Sin's tainted all that, and that's a long story, but not my point in what I want to say this morning. But what I do want you to continue to get a fresh sense of is how completely connected with and wanting to be a part of your world our God is. It's not, he's just not a passive bystander. He's not someone you have to go and plead your case with. He's actually in your heart if you have invited him into your heart. He, he wants to live out his purpose through your life and my life. And I don't know about you, but I get a lot of bit of, I get a bit of broken connection between here and here. Sometimes this is telling me to do one thing and my heart's kind of gone quiet. And I think, why is my heart quiet? Because that's where God lives. And he's always got something for me to do. He's always got something for you to do. He's got somewhere for you to be. He's got someone for you to become a friend of. He's got someone for you to be reconciled with. He's got somebody that you and I need to, to gather into our community of faith to belong. We've got people who are meant to belong in our own families, next door neighbours, I don't know, work colleagues. It's like there's this incredible urgency in a decaying world for us to get a sense of incredible wonder that God wants to work out His plan for us and others through us. You're a special part of His, His uh, kingdom. It's like, oh, I'm just me. Yes, you are just you, but you're you. And He's put us here for such a time as this. And I want to encourage you this morning on Vision Sunday that God's got great plans for you. He's got great plans for yous, um, uh, plural, as in Yes, Judy's given me a horrible friend. Don't like the word use because it's pretty bad language, really. Anyway, you know what I mean? So you, plural. English doesn't give a lot of space to give with convey. You, number one, as an individual, and you as a group, as in we, have got something that God wants us to do, both here in the Adelaide Hills and, of course, our location at Parkside. We're down there next Sunday doing Vision Sunday, repeating this with our Parkside family. They are uh, cranking along down there, having a lot of fun, realising that it's uh, not for the faint-hearted to start a church anywhere. Even as connected as they are to this wonderful church, they're still just out there. So keep praying for them. They need our prayers. They need our, we need a breakthrough. And uh, let me pray before you sit down. Heavenly Father, we are so excited to be in your house. And Lord, for those of us that maybe just at this moment are going, I'm a little ho-hum about that, Pastor Bruce. Father, I pray that you'd stir us up on the inside, that you would visit us sovereignly this morning in this place. Father, as we get around the um, first fruits offering and the anointing of dreams at the end of our meeting today, there would be something sovereignly set in our lives that puts us on course to become way more than we could possibly ask or imagine because you're a God who's involved in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come and get the Lord a clap offering as you sit down. Thank you, guys. You can go have a seat. Whoa. I'm excited. It's nice to be home in Handorf with you guys. This It seems like, it's, I think I've been away for three Sundays, and it seems like, for some reason, just a little more than um, normal of disconnection for me. And so it's awesome to be here. How cool are you guys Singing, worshipping, praying. Ah, it's just nice to be home. You know that feeling you get? Well, I, I get that feeling in my place. Just go home. I've got a nice recliner in my lounge. and It's just nice to go and sit down in that and put the footrest up and just, hmm, this is okay. That's what it's feeling like right now, standing in front of you. It's like, 
ah, this is good. So I want you to get comfortable this morning. I don't, I'm not comfortable to go to sleep, but just get, just get comfortable. Don't go to sleep on me. That, that could be embarrassing um, for all of us. I might pick on you. Um, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm much more caring than that. Um, as I mentioned a little while ago, key verse around thoughts for this year, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, which is on the, the little um, handout, the little uh, look, uh, brochure, whatever you'd call it, bookmark, bookmark, has got the message version of that, which puts it a little bit more um, amplified. So use your heads as you live and work amongst outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not to put them down, not to cut them out. Um, That first sentence can be, um, I guess, taken to be quite brutally exclusive. There's people who are in and there are people who are out. And it's really referring to people who don't yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. He's talking to a a church, a community of faith in um, a city, in Bible times. And uh, as you live and work amongst outsiders, there's a people who haven't yet responded to God's love for them. And there is no gentle way to put it, but you either have heard the gospel and have responded to it, or you haven't. Or if you have heard it and you've rejected it, you're still actually not in even though you might be participating, even though you might be going through the motions of um, some uh, philanthropic or beneficial work in the community, you could be a great charity, volunteer, whatever, it's making no judgment about that being good or bad, it's just that you know when you've met Jesus and there's a moment when you're no longer on the outside of that deal, you're on the inside of that deal, you've got Jesus dwelling in your heart. And we have church like this every week, come together to celebrate as followers of Jesus Christ with a very, very open door to anybody who wants to come and visit at this occasion on a Sunday morning, but anybody who wants to come and be participating in a connect group or some of the other things that we do as groups around the community, they, in my view, are all geared up for really one big outcome, and that is that a person who's currently outside the faith steps into faith in Christ, steps into the world of wonder of knowing that God loves them and that his son, Jesus Christ, died for them. And so I felt really, uh, uh, what's the word, impressed, very pressured in a sense, not in a negative sense, but very impressed by the Holy Spirit to just drill down into this scripture this year and to make sure that as a congregation, we are reminded again and again and again, so it's 12 months of looking, Got a whole bunch of sub-themes. We're going to look at the book of Nehemiah in one month. We're going to look at the book of Romans in another. Uh, We've got a few other things in the mix of what's coming up as far as preaching. And lots of those themes will just infiltrate your world. And you'll find yourself looking at things differently, which is what it is to be a Christian. We look at everything differently. We look at problems and challenges as opportunities. They're actually always going to be difficult days. There's always going to be something coming out of left field because that's just the way life is. And it can either rob you of your confidence or it can cause you and me to stand up in faith and go, you know what, God did see this coming. I didn't see it coming, but God did. And he's given me everything I need to deal with it, whatever that deal is. 
And uh, we can sometimes get a little indignant when a pastor like me preaches saying something like that because we want to shout back, but you don't know how hard my life is. You don't know what I've been through. And that's true, I don't, but God does. He's, he doesn't miss a trick. He, he doesn't miss a thing. There's not a tear that you've cried that he hasn't counted dropping to the ground. There's not a hair that's not fallen out of your head that he hasn't been aware of, the Bible talks. He, like, we can't even count the hair on our head. God knows. He knows exactly as a scary thought because he's kind of pretty closely connected to you and me. Um, and I want to encourage you this morning to get with the program to look. Spend the year being aware of the opportunities that God's going to put in front of us as we go. So what's that about? Well, I start off at the beginning of this message with a bit of a thought about time. This week I've been doing a fair bit of bookwork behind the scenes for our own church and for another one and spent a fair bit of time behind a computer screen and... Uh, I found that uh, one of the computers here in the office decided to have a hissy fit during the week, as they usually do. Computers are renowned for being temperamental, right? Yeah. And so we had to have reset passwords, and it's like, I, I think I wasted about two hours of my time. Say wasted. wasted. Who, who's wasted some time this week <laughs> on something like that? I live in Little Hampton, and I work in Handorf. I have about a six-minute commute. So I, generally speaking, don't waste time commuting. But many of you do. Or do, or do you? You spend a lot of time commuting. I don't want to be presumptuous. Maybe you've worked out what to do with that commute time. But I sat there thinking as this computer was going, please wait, please wait, please wait, please wait. This is, updates are being prepared. Please wait, please wait. It's like, oh, my gosh. How much waiting does a guy have to do? So he went and made a cup of coffee, came back, and it was still whirring around and carrying on. It's like frustrating, yes, but waiting around for a computer to update is such a waste of time. Caused me to wonder how much time of my life I've actually wasted. You know, my total abhorrence of cues. Like, that's a waste of time. Just get me into that place. Get me on the plane. Get me through that. It's like, it's like, the list could go on. How much time have you wasted watching television this week? This is not meant to be a critical conversation. This is one of stirring you up to wonder, am I missing opportunities because I'm not looking for them. I'm actually wasting time. Social media, Facebook's a good waste of time. Um, it really is. Um, it's also helpful, which is the kind of, it's helpful to connect. There's no doubt about it. There's people that you can stay connected with that you may have lost complete connection with. There's, the wonder of it is one side and the other side is it's a possible absolute waste of time. I don't know, I get about 45, between yeah, 45 and 50 junk emails every day. Like, that's just a waste of time clicking the delete button. And Julie says, why don't you unsubscribe from them? I said, it takes longer to unsubscribe than it does to go dip, dip, dip every day. So I, I don't unsubscribe. I just, I don't know, maybe a false sense of um, time use. Is that right? Anybody think I should hit the unsubscribe? Who thinks I should just hit the delete button every day? Well, there's a few people with me. It's so, okay. Yes, yeah. They're all males. Oh, we're not going there. I'm not saying anything along. No. So while you're all still laughing a little bit, I want to hit you with a hit you with a brick. The brutal reality of our human condition is it is finite. Like it's it's scarily brutal that, and it is a brutal reality that you're born on a certain day, and every one of us in this room is going to die on a certain day. Then that's it. Between that moment and this one, there's opportunity, as Rob Carman says, opportunity. 
give me an opportunity. I want some opportunities. Well, that's what you've got, opportunities. It's like, I look back, I had a birthday last week, and I'm thinking, how many opportunities in my 60-ish years have, have I lost? How many have I walked past? How many opportunities have I ignored? How many things have I not looked at that God wanted me to look at? And how many things have I looked at that God didn't want me to look at? Like, what's got a hold of my attention? What gets a hold of our affection? I want to encourage you that God's wanting this year to equip and empower us as individuals and as a church to step into a future that is paved with a different attitude about looking, with a different attitude about uh, making the most of our time. So I've put um, my own little paraphrased version of making the most of every opportunity, full colon, or stop wasting time. Like, what is that? What's that look like for you? So our dream anointing service today is mainly about getting all of us to write down some goals. One of the things that seems to me a little bit hard to get my head around is that when the Bible says to do something that appears to be fairly mundane or inconsequential, it's so easy to overlook what it's actually saying. So in Habakkuk chapter 2, you may know this verse is quoted many, many times in this arena of vision and revelation. But the Lord replies and says this in chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Write down the revelation. Write down the vision. And make it plain on tablets. So don't make your vision complicated and a 3,000 word essay. I've written down my dreams for 2020 on one of these sheets this morning before I came to church. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight dot points. Filled the little page. They're just succinct little sentences. My top, top one is, I'll share this with you because there's nothing disclosing that I don't want publicly disclosed. Be certain or fully persuaded of the call over my life over the next 10 years. Some of my age, if, if you're in my age and stage of life, there's the reality of what's been known to me since I was probably 17, working every day in a job, various descriptions. Well, that day and that arrangement for me in the next 10 years is coming to a close. It's going to be something different. I want to be able to go at every step, however that changes, and whatever changes it, that I'm fully, fully persuaded that I'm doing what God wants me to do, whatever that is. I want to put it to you this morning. Are you fully persuaded you're actually spending the time you've got today doing what God actually puts you on planet Earth to do? And I'm convinced because of what I know of myself, I don't always pass that test question too well. There's things that I'm doing, things that I'm not doing, that I go, I just, I don't know, when we get stuck. I remember asking Gordon Moore once, a pastor who's overseen us years ago and great friends from C3 Bridgman Downs in Queensland. And uh, just talking to him about that and he's sort of just like, just keep going. Like, um, be certain about what you're on about. Um, write it down. Talk about it. Get, get, get some sort of a sense of um, urgency on the inside again about, about what we're up to. Write down the revelation. So I hope you've written something. If you haven't, don't put your hand up because I don't want to embarrass you, but 
If you haven't got a pen with you, nudge your neighbour and say, can I borrow your pen? Don't ask me why. Um, and, and then start writing, because we're going to put these in our hands at the end of the service. The way this works is, these dreams are your dreams. They're none of our business, in some respects. We're going to bring them down the front of the um, auditorium at the end of the service, and we pray for you. So Julie and myself and Emma and John are going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And we actually put some oil oil that we set aside to be, in our view, uh, consecrated and holy for a holy purpose, and we anoint your dreams. The stain of the oil on there is meant to remind you that God's marked you with the Holy Spirit. He's marked you to do his will. He's marked you and me to be extraordinarily effective in winning people to Christ. And his, his, this oil reminds me that he's, he's stained your life. The Bible describes it, it's kind of a seal guaranteeing what's to come. And so please make the most of the opportunity that this service and uh, the First Fruits offering has um, always been a highlight since we started doing that in this church. And man, it's powerful. So a testimony like Emma and Andrew's is like, in some respects, no surprise. There are other stories out in amongst you guys of the similar kind of thing. God's just been amazingly benevolent and gracious to people who've got a revelation about it. So at that time, you bring that down and you hang on to that and take it home with you and put it where you can remember to look at it now and then. There's also a first fruits offering slip which you can fill out or you can just put in an offering if you've got cash or however you normally do it. You bring in both of these out the front. There's going to be a basket here for you to put your offering in. Leave that there. But keep this in your hot little hand. We'll pray with you and with it and then you can go back to your seat. The worship team is going to come back and help us to... Um, just have an atmosphere, because it is an act of worship. Every time we give to God, we're worshipping him, and we're saying, God, we trust you. It does take a stretch. Like Andrew shared before, it might be like, God, I don't know how we're going to do this, Lord. But that's the point. That's what faith is. Not being irresponsibly over-the-top silly about it, I'm not talking about that, but being like, God, we're going to trust you as an individual, as a as a family, whatever. So write the revelation down, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation or the vision awaits an appointed time. God's got an appointment with you, with your dreams. Some of the dreams that I've got and that you've got are actually wrapped up in opportunity steps. So if I've got a dream that's got a five-year goal to it, for example, and, and there's steps to be taken to get to that five years, if I've, if I've missed a few, God... It's not about not going to heaven or not being um, in any way, shape or form changed my relationship with God, but the destination that I saw is not on the table anymore because that opportunity, oh, I sidestepped that. That one, no, I missed that one too. I was, looking, I was watching TV. That one, I was fixing up a computer and I missed it. really annoys me when I forget to turn my phone back on in the morning. I'm a turn the phone off. At night, it's on silent, do not disturb me, do not buzz, don't do anything. I don't want to know that if Jesus comes back between the hours of about 10 and 6 a.m., I won't hear about it, okay? <laughs> I even put my phone, I do have my phone in my bedroom, I confess that, but it's on the floor face down. So even if it lights up and tries to wake me up with blinking and carry on, I can't see it. Um, it it's, it's down for the count. Gone. Um, There's an appointed time. I, I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be missing it when it's the moment that I get the yes from God. 
do it now. And it will have an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've given up on a dream. Maybe you put some things in our dream anointing service a few years back and it still hasn't happened that you thought it would have happened then. But what if the appointed time in God's calendar for your life is not then but now or next year? The Bible says, though it linger, wait for it. That means remain in faith. Remain strong in, in the Lord. So, what I want to recap with that particularly is this, that first line, write down the revelation. I put this comment down during the week as I was preparing this message. If I have a dream that I have not written down, literally, I have no business expecting it to come to pass. Because if it worked the other way around, God wouldn't have wasted his time or ours, him writing it, us reading it, write down the revelation. It's like, to me, it's pretty, and it's a bit of a literalist perspective on reading scripture, but I want to say there's nothing to lose apart from a few moments of time in writing down your dreams. Write them down. Have you written them down? If I came down, can you, I don't want to read the content, but have you written down your dreams? Have you written down your dreams? I'm looking you in the eye because I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to go, well, I went to that incredible service at C3 Church this morning and man, the atmosphere was great, but I didn't write down any dreams. It's like, well, if I could speak to you face-to-face without really being derogatory, I'd say you're a mug. It's like, just do what the Bible says. Write down the dream. Write down the revelation. Write it down. So if you haven't still written something and you're starting to feel uncomfortable, that's good. I'm trying my hardest to just prize you off your resistance to that. Because if it's something that God touches and blesses, I guarantee there'll be resistance. I guarantee there'll be a pushback on the inside of some of you, even as I'm talking like this, is like there's pushback. Who do you think you, what do you talk, it's like, and you, me saying to you further in this conversation, you've got to be really, really mindful of your pushback. What's that about? Just a hanging question. Write it down. Who's excited about writing in their dreams? Um, so, and uh, as I said a moment ago, I think one of the things to bear in mind, have at least one of these. At least one of your points is a stretch. Without God miraculously intervening, it couldn't happen. What is that? What's the thing that God wants you to step out of your comfort zone for in 2020? So this year I want to encourage us as a church to look at this, that we will focus on the need to look, to see, make the most of every opportunity to draw near to, to move, to invite, to encourage others or change something in ourselves that allows others to come closer to Jesus. What we're really on about as Christians is not about, oh, I made it to the end and I'm still alive at this moment in time. Like it's not just about you or me having a successful life. It is about that, but that's a byproduct. What our successful life is actually meant to achieve is to meant to achieve the harvest of people coming to Christ. People finding the love of God because we've shared who we are. We've disclosed what we do when we're depressed. We disclose what we've done when we've had broken-hearted moments. We've found, we've found strength in God. We've found faith in Christ. It's been amazing. We've had miracles happen in our life. Marriage has been restored. Relationships have been fixed. Our finances 
uh, were in the pits of hell and we got some help and, and God's hand was in that. And it's like those stories are all stories about why we are here. We're here to help people make the most of their life, find out what their purpose in life is. And for me this year, that's my vision. I want you to get the word look stuck in your heart. Look. I think it's in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Or one where it talks about the eyes of your heart. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. There's things that your heart's meant to see, not just the eyes of your head, but your heart. You're meant to see things. You're meant to see see compassion moments. You're meant to see um, moments of care and and uh, embrace moments to put out some belonging cues. We talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? At the beginning of the month, maybe. So a belonging cue is things like, "Hey, good day, Sam. How you going, mate? Good." Doing all right? It's like, well, what's been happening at work? It's like just having a conversation. But it, and he, he could share a little bit. But I went up to him and said, hey, Sam, I've been praying for you, man. You've just been in my heart this week. And I know God's got something for you. I don't know what you're going through at the moment. But talk about work. But, but man, it's so good to see you. So tell me about your week. There, there's not a lot of difference between the actual exchange of wanting to get some information out of him. But just putting a hand on someone's shoulder that you're familiar with and it's not creepy or wrong. Okay, I'm not talking talking anything like that. It's like, but there's things that we do as human beings that actually change the way we feel about the person that we're interacting with. And I want us to look at that. I want us to look for the opportunities to be an includer. I want us to look for opportunities to be a person who helps people along. Ask yourself this brutal question. I think I shared this on Wednesday night with our quip night. What do you do that excludes people? What is it, what door do you shut in people's face who might be wanting to get to know you as a friend or as a neighbour? Like what, what things shut you down? Those are the moments that I want the Holy Spirit to just, Bruce, just chill out, mate. Just welcome people. Be friendly to Josh. I know he's hard work, but be friendly to him. <laughs> Josh, no pressure, no diamonds. That's a good T-shirt. Yeah. Makes you tough, mate. Diamonds, hard as rocks, aren't they, John? In fact, harder than rocks. Well, I guess they are a rock, are they? They're the hardest rock. Anyway, I digress. So, I think I've said enough. I've got heaps more to say, but I'm going to stop right there because that's the kind of the pith of what I want to say. I want you to get into a place of anticipation. Vision Sunday is about anticipating something. What is that? I hope you've written down some thoughts. We're going to come to God with it in a moment. So I want the um, music team to come back up on stage if they would. Before we do that, I think I've said it, I hope I've said it clearly enough this morning in a number of ways. We're actually here this morning for all sorts of reasons. And one of the most important reasons we gather as a church is to help people to hear the gospel, that Jesus died for them, their sins being forgiven, and that they are able to know God personally. And in our Pentecostal evangelical circles of church life, that means we believe every person, every individual needs to have a moment where they've actually spoken to God 
and invited him into their life. Not every Christian persuasion on planet Earth has that theological perspective and that's perfectly okay. Um, We have found that the most meaningful way for us personally to know God is to have the conversation with God. And so we have a prayer time. and We call this an altar call. It's kind of like, what, what, do you, what do you mean an altar call? Well, uh, an altar is a place where animals were sacrificed in the Old Testament. Jesus was sacrificed on a cross in the New Testament. We have an altar in the church, not so we can crucify or sacrifice you. It's actually a place where we, however, come to lay our life down before Jesus and say, I want to do your will in my life. And so we give our life to him. Um, He promises when we do that to come into us by his spirit. It dwells in us and empowers and equips us to live for him. There's an amazing transformation that happens on the inside of a human heart when we open the door to Jesus. And so I just want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment because I want every person to have a moment of reflection think about this question. Have you ever had that conversation with God? Has He been opened um, or has He actually, I'll rephrase that, has He actually come to you and found an open door to enter into your life? Because this morning you can open your heart to Him and He will come in. It says in Revelation that behold I stand at the door and knock. He wants to come into every person's life, where we live by faith, not by sight, where we actually trust Him with everything. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, we would love to pray a prayer with you. The whole church here will say it after me. We will pray a prayer with you that will change your life forever. Jesus will come and be a part of your journey going forward. If that's you, I'd love you to slip your hand up right now and just say, that's me, Bruce. Can, can I pray that prayer? Can I come to Christ this morning? the answer to that question is of course you can we can help you talk to God and make that a reality so anyone who's feeling there's a prompting sometimes the Holy Spirit in a meeting like this can make you feel a little bit weird some people get sweaty palms they get tingles on the back of their neck some people feel absolutely nothing but they're like really paying attention to what I'm saying that's the direction of the Holy Spirit if you're feeling that this morning give me a little wave and say that's me Bruce First fruits offering. Um, haven't really explained what that is this morning. I normally spend a bit of time on that, so I just want to make sure that we are aware of what that is. First fruits is an Old Testament um, regulation that the children of Israel were taught to do. Bring the first fruits because it's a very agricultural context, the Old Testament sort of money was around but before money people traded with goods and so going to the temple was to bring first fruits you honoured God with the first fruits of your harvest or the first fruits of your flock there was this attitude of I've got what I've got because of God and I want to honour him with that tithing on a weekly basis is of a similar mindset but a few years ago um, I really felt like God just put on my heart why not 
see what this unlocks in the church. See what I'll do in this congregation if you start to do a first fruits offering every year. And so stories like Emma and Andrew's in particular, are, as I said, there's many stories like that. I know Nick Jones, I don't think Nick's here this morning, but Nick's got a great story for, from first fruits. Um, and there are others as well. Um, God's just a God, as I said, proactive in our life. And bringing him an offering, whether we like to have an argument about that, whatever that looks like in your head, try and get past that and go, you know what? I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to bring God an offering today. So first fruits, our suggestion for years has been, think about what you get paid for one week. You could give that to God. Today is a first fruits offering. Um, and if you needed to do that by paying it over a number of months or however, like we don't want anyone going into financial difficulty. That's, <laughs> that is so not the point of an offering. An offering's honouring God. But you might just say, no, I'm, I'm going to give God X, Y, Z this morning, just like that, and that's, it's a done deal. We don't want to prescribe what, how much, or what you do with this, but what we don't want you to do is to go, I'm not doing anything. Don't do that. Like, this is an opportunity. Look. Look at it as that and come to God. So why don't we stand together? So the mechanics of this is uh, we come down the centre aisle as a kind of, you know, we can crowd in there if you want to, but you can sit down and wait. But we come down the centre aisle, put our offering in the basket, it'll be down here, and then bring your dreams to either side and Julie and I will be one side and Emma and John will be the other and we'll just pray very quickly for you guys uh, as a family. And so the team's going to lead us in worship and we'd love you to come when you're ready. Just let the kids come in first, okay? Come and join your mum and dad who are looking after you today, guys. That's it. Well, how much fun is that? There is no doubt that part of our church's life, in my view, is probably one of the most sacred and life-changing segments of time we spend together. Let me pray to close and we can go and get a coffee and head out to the rest of this day. Don't forget, Connect lunches are on. Um, and as John said earlier, if you are visiting or you're not um, sure where your Connect group's doing what, go and speak to him and he'll make sure you find somewhere to have lunch today. We don't want anyone to be dunching by themselves unless you have to or want to, but we'd love you to join one of our groups for lunch. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would watch over us as we head out into the week and that we would look for every opportunity this week and the weeks following. This year would be a remarkable year of breakthrough in our lives individually and as a group, as a congregation. In Jesus' wonderful name, be with us as we go. Amen. God bless you, church. Go and enjoy a great life.